No, I think Twitter After Dark is a is an innovative creation for young folks. I think that it has demystified the idea of what sex is. A lot of stuff that's on Twitter or Twitter After Dark, however you want to call it, are amateur folks that do their own work that are having these relations with people that they know, their homeboys, their homegirls, or whatever, somebody that they're frequently intimate with, and you get to see real sexual acts rather than something in a production or somebody that's directing it. Welcome to another episode of Stranger Fruit, y'all. This is Donovan. Thank you for joining us for a very special episode. Inspired by Twitter After Dark and the rise of OnlyFans, in this episode, we invited a special crew to ask the question, are we oversexed? If you don't already know, Stranger Fruit is a -a one-of-a-kind video podcast experience where you get to be a fly on the wall as some of the most brilliant young voices from the black and brown diaspora bring you unfiltered, thought-provoking conversations. We discuss and debate an array of fascinating topics from politics and race to pop culture, media, and the issues close to our hearts. We may not always agree, but we are firm believers that conflict and compassion are a great recipe for empathy. If you find yourself wanting to put a face to these names and voices, you can find us on YouTube in all our Technicolor glory. Now, for those of you who have never heard of Twitter After Dark or Freak Twitter, don't feel too bad. It's a relatively recent discovery of mine, too. As our culture has become more digital and content production has become more decentralized, sex workers and everyday people have now been able to monetize their bodies more easily and successfully than ever before. And while I'm excited for the sex revolution, I also wonder how we reconcile the potential dangers as well. So trigger warning, this episode does touch on pedophilia and sexual assault, so please be sure to take care as we dive in. And remember, opinions are not facts. So as you are listening to today's episode, keep that in mind. We encourage you to do your own research. Special shout out to Kumo, Nikki, Dr. Donna, Elijah Day, Assam, Charles, and my co-host Ileana for joining me for this conversation at our home studio at the Gentleman's Factory in Brooklyn, New York. All right, let's go. Wagwan, everybody. I am Donovan. And I'm Constanza Eliana. And welcome to Stranger Fruit. Today we're asking the question, are we oversexed? But before we do that, please hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell so that you can keep up with us. All right, y'all. So we got to tell you why we decided to have this conversation yes. in the first place. So it was during the panty, right? You know, I was single at the time. I found out <laughs> I found out about Twitter after dark. I did not know that was a thing. Oh, okay. Well, well, y'all, oh, did y'all know? It, no. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> so I'm excited to have y'all here with me because, you know, I'm not alone. So I was going through Twitter after dark. First of all, I saw some familiar faces. Ooh. 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 Okay. Oh, okay. All right, cool. I know you more intimately now. And not uh-huh. only that, and just so I can explain it for people who don't know what that is. So Twitter after dark is where there's a lot of porn. People are able to make a lot of money now through things like OnlyFans, for example, and they use an avenue like Twitter, for example, to kind of like advertise their work, yeah. market their work, right? People are pay- are actually paying off their homes and their college mm-hmm. degrees 
by doing this type of work. But what I did find the most interesting as I'm going through people's profiles are that like people have 200,000 followers, 160,000 followers, millions of followers. I was like, I'm late as hell to like <laughs> the party. And I thought to myself, this is interesting because I remember when Netflix and chill was the name of the game. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I felt like in trying to date, it became very much like... An expectation. An expectation. Yeah. It became transactional. Yeah. It kind of defined what the date would be, right? Like the culture was around that. It was in our music. And a lot of people were just saying, that's just the way that it is. Followed up by this more transactional aspect to sex that's being like, that's in music. So if you listen to things like the City Girls or people who are just like, you ain't gonna get no pussy unless you have some coins or some dollars, like you gotta pay for this shit. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, (laughs) okay, all right. Like, is this a bad or is this a good thing? But what I can say from a critical perspective was that I'm like, this has the potential to take us down a road where people are going to be looking at sex as more transactional for sure, and that it's without the emotions or the emotional intelligence or, you know, if anybody wanted to be in a relationship, fucking good luck. Good <laughs> luck. That's how I was feeling. So I really wanted to have, have this conversation for like years now. Yeah. Because all of a sudden it's 2023. So my first question, Dr. Dada, is are we oversexed? Probably not. Okay. I would say that the, the real question here is, are we undersexed? Yeah. Are we underpleasured? Are we not able to fully express ourselves in the way that we actually want to express ourselves? So I'm like, are we oversexed? Probably mm-hmm. not. I think that it looks like it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that even the idea that sex is now becoming way more transactional, I'm like, actually, it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has been, it's been what it has been for as long as people have been people in. Yeah. But it's more visible now. Exactly. Yeah. We got the internet. You right. got Twitter after dog. I'm still on Twitter after dog sometimes. Yeah. You got only. So you have all these new avenues to be able to explore it and to explore it out loud in a way that maybe was not as acceptable way back in the day. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, let's remember that the Kama Sutra is poor. Yeah. Let's, yeah, be, yeah, let's yeah. remember that the song of Solomon <laughs> If you like to read your Bible, it's also, I mean, it's porn, mm-hmm. right? It's spiritual porn. Now, before you all get angry about Dr. Donna referring to the Song of Solomon as spiritual porn, hold up. You know you haven't read your Bible in a minute. So, let's dig a little deeper. Let's check out Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2 through 3. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chamber. Now, I don't know what they are going to do in them chambers, but it ain't giving you typical fire and brimstone scripture, okay? It's giving an intimate, heated exchange between lovers with the lines that could make a romance novelist raise an eyebrow. You know, it paints a vivid, passionate picture that's about as far from the Ten Commandments as you possibly can get. And check out chapter 4, verse 11, which reads, Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue. Damn, I wish if someone would speak to me like this. But anyway, y'all, I hope this was illuminating and not infuriating, okay? Let's take the Song of Solomon for what it is, a reminder of the fiery, beautiful, and yes, sensual aspects of love. But anyway, let's get back to Dr. Donna as she wraps up her point. 
Mm-hmm. So the idea of transactional sex and whether or not we're over sex, I'm looking like, actually, I think that we were more pleasure focused now than we have ever been. And I think that that can only be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think that the transactional part, I'm looking like people getting together because they love somebody, that is new. Transactional mm-hmm. relationships have always been the thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, especially for Thank women, you, especially for women, because women have always been the staple of men making different moves, political moves, financial moves, and it was always the daughters that were getting sold off mm-hmm. to make those types of deals. And so it's always been the woman that has been at the center of the transaction because of sex, because mm-hmm. of the children that she's able to bear. So we are in a very interesting time where, yes, sex is a lot more visible. There's a lot of people complaining about, for instance, billboards. Like women are too naked on billboards and you know, selling lingerie, right? Rihanna has her Fenty line. And people were complaining that you know, you're showing too much and it's mm-hmm. over-sexualizing. So a part of the conversation too then centers around, like you said, is it sex or is it pleasure? And is it too much or is it too literal? How do we find the balance? Yeah, Nikki, go I ahead. I would love to weigh in because I think there's a couple of things that we're conflating. One is sexual liberation is different than over-sexualizing or being mm-hmm. sexually immoral mm-hmm. as a nation, right? I'm all about being more sexually liberated in that we should all have pleasure, we should all be able to express ourselves in the way that we like. But here's a fun fact. There's actually a war tactic called subversion. Mm. Most Chinese students are now required to read The Art of War. In The Art of War, one of the things it says is if you want to cripple a nation, make their children sexually immoral. Wow. That is a war tactic because it destroys the family and then you now have a generation, let's say these same kids 20 years later, we won't have any family structure. Mm -hmm. Therefore, your nation will actually be weakened. So do we want people to be more sexually liberated? We do. Is the over-sexualization and leading people down sexual immorality beneficial? No. And, That's going to eventually hurt us. I love that point. But yeah. how would you define sexual immorality? Like, what does that mean to you? Here's what I mean by that. I think that if you're in consensual relationships, you can do whatever you want. Get down how you get down. We're seeing, like you said now, a lot of transactional situations in which maybe both people don't agree that it's transactional, right? You have a lot of girls getting hurt because, oh, he flew me out and I didn't want to sleep with him and he kicked me out. Mm-hmm. So you didn't agree on the transaction. There's that. But then we also see a lot of infidelity, I can take your man, I can take your girl, people who are being introduced to kinks that didn't know about them, didn't want to be involved in it, didn't consent in that. So that's where it goes down the immorality lane. We don't judge anybody for what they like sexually, but we're seeing a lot more child trafficking. We're seeing a lot more pedophilia. They're trying to make pedophilia a sexuality. Yes. That's where we go down the lane of sex being a detriment to us rather than just expression. Do you think that's because of this new age that we're in? Because I kind of see it as like, we had the industrial revolution, then we had the information age. And I kind of attribute this time that we're in now of like sexual liberation and we're like in more understanding about pleasure and what we like in bed and all these things and seeing a lot more uh, porn on the internet and in Twitter after dark and things like that which I think that it's a great thing that we're seeing because we're able to actually understand what we like and see different types of kinks and see mm-hmm. that this isn't so taboo like it, like it has been. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about sexual immorality, are you attributing this newfound visibility to that? Are, are you, mm. Is that what you're saying? Because I, 
I kind of want to push no, back on that because yeah, it's like no. that has always been the case there. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, it has mm -hmm. been like human trafficking, mm -hmm. um, coercion. Mm -hmm. uh, people are consenting to things. They're fuckboys and things mm -hmm. of that nature that have always been the case. Yeah. But now I feel like we have a lot more language to express what we like, what we dislike. And women, uh, for example, have a lot more agency in their sexuality now. And not only women, but queer folks mm -hmm. as well. So I I'm... I'm, I'm glad you pushed like, back well, on that. Okay, Charles. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Charles. I'm glad you pushed back on that because I see it as two sides of the same coin, right? Like something. Let's say, for example, if you eat a cheeseburger, it's great. If you eat 50 of them, you're going to get high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. okay. I look at it that way. Where the exposure is good for the liberation, so that we can be more educated and there's less shame and less stigma. I think that's great. To your point, mm -hmm. I think Dr. Donna, you'd probably agree. Mm -hmm. I think the opposite side of that coin is where things are being praised that are hurting people. Mm -hmm. I think that's where it goes a little left for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think you know I want to I mean? know what you mean. Yeah. So what I mean by that is I'm all about people learning, let's say, for example, about different sexualities, different gender identities, different ways of expression, right? That's great. But opening the door to say, oh, I'm a pedophile. That's just my sexuality. I'm just attracted to children. That's just my, people are. that's what I like. People are. And that's fine. And but for us to endorse that it. is very sick. I think that Oftentimes we get into a place of oversimplification, mm -hmm. right? You can be attracted to whatever you're attracted to, and it doesn't mean that you're necessarily acting on that yeah. attraction, right? So there are people who are attracted to youngsters, who are attracted to mm -hmm. teenagers, and given our fucking culture, let's be real. We made it so. Yes. We support so. it as such. <clears throat> we, we glorify the teenage body and the teenage yeah. mind, and we put it out front and center and say that this is the shit that everybody should want. Exactly. So when people want it, then we say that there's a problem with the fact that they want it. I'm looking like Leonardo DiCaprio is trading these Johns every time they hit 25, happy birthday, get out of my house, right? Yeah. And I'm like, and nobody is saying anything to him, right? right? Not, not really. It's acceptable. Like, he's like a, a baby butt of the joke, right? right? But I'm like, you can be attracted and not act on that attraction. And I think that what we forget is that there are a lot of people who do identify as being sexually attracted to minors who are not yeah. acting on that attraction. Mm. And I think that in a lot of ways, it sort of reminds me of how so many people were like, oh, I'm not allowed to be gay, so I'm not going to be gay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that being gay is a problem. I was, because you know the people will hear whatever the fuck they feel like hearing. That is not what I said. I'm saying that it reminds me as such because in trying to make sure that they're doing the right thing, which was the right thing according to heteronormativity, they were like, well, I'm going to date and be with these people. And it doesn't mean that those relationships were not successful. It just means that I can be attracted in the way that I am attracted and still not act on that attraction. But let's get deeper into this, Dr. Mm -hmm. Donna, because I think that there is a place of acknowledging shit that people are, are into. Like, mm -hmm. if you go down a rabbit hole, there's a, there are hands and fists in places, and there's, yes. a, there's, a, there's a lot of things happening. And, and it's, 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 a lot it of is what it is. But, 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 when it, but when it does come to when it does come to this kind of like Epstein infatuation yeah. Yeah. with young folks, the, the history of this is that we come from people who literally would yeah. sail off their 13-year-old child or their 12-year-old right. or their 9-year-old to some grown-ass man. Which so I, still happens today. Which yeah. still happens yeah. today. I think it's really about protecting the children, right? Like yes. we, That's what this really is about. How do we feel about 
the popularization of these spaces in the internet, for example, a la Andrew Tate, who we talk often yeah. about, who are able to use the fact that the internet does have these interesting spaces where people do, like they may not be the ones who are physically acting, right, against mm -hmm. their pedophilia, uh, you know, whatever, let's say what they really desire. They may right. not be acting, but they can still access the content, in which case someone is providing them that content, in which case should, then it could be really, really problematic. Yeah. So is it something where it should be like there's a hard stop, that stuff should not be available at all, it should be outlawed? Well, or do you feel like people should be allowed to have access to that content? Because yeah. for me, I think that people should be able to see their kinks. They should be able to explore. I'm excited for sex workers who yeah. are able to get their coin. Yeah. I'm over here like, shit, I might have to put on a little ski mask and <laughs> I have some debt to pay back. So right. I, I think like it's very alluring. Yeah. But as I watch people make decisions in their early 20s or in their late teenage years, they're not thinking about what happens when I turn 28. And they're mm -hmm. not thinking about what, what happens when I turn 30. They're not thinking about what happens when Twitter gets shut down and ain't no more Twitter on there anymore, which is kind of currently happening. Or even yeah. with that moment with OnlyFans, mm -hmm. where OnlyFans was going to discontinue the content. So essentially, it's mm -hmm. kind of like we highlight these places mm -hmm. and then... What happens when we do that? Like, mm -hmm. what do you think about that? I have a, a, an example that maybe we can kind of work with, too, is, you know, around the accessibility factor mm -hmm. and, quote unquote, over-sexualization of young minors. There's a lot of divisiveness when you're talking about, like, baby pageants, for instance, mm -hmm. right? We had an entire show dedicated to little kids, toddlers, and tiaras. Yes. And little kids doing pageantry. Um, my mom put me in a pageant once. And so we're, there's a lot of divisiveness there because the parents will say, well, I allow my child to be a part of this because it's just play for them. They just like to dress up. They just like to do you know, their talent. They like to show off. They like to perform. But a lot of people who have sinister yeah. things happening mm -hmm. and a lot of people who, like you said, are trying to keep that in, but when it's just them in their house, that's what they're watching. That's who they're being turned on by. So that can be kind of an example uh, around this conversation of like, how do we feel about that? Because even in the music industry, the people who are becoming famous are less than 17 years old, probably That's less so than true. 18, That's right? right? Taylor Swift became famous at 13. Yeah. So how are we feeling about that type of accessibility for yeah. people? Yeah. And you think so, it's scary? Did you guys hear of Bad Baby made an OnlyFans that released on the day she turned 18? 18. Wow. And, and she made a million dollars in the first day. American yeah. dollars, Nikki? A USD, mm -hmm. my friend. <laughs> Meaning there were people that while you were between 13 and 17, which is when she became famous, salivating and waiting for that content. Right. Such that the first day you came out with it, they were ready. That's very concerning. Now, right. is she an adult and she can do that? Sure, but... Now, would you call that her being sexually liberated though, because 100%. I think that's what she would argue is, sure. I'm 18 now, so I get to I do, do what, what I want, want and I want to express Absolutely. myself. And, and a lot can. of teenagers will say that. I used to and say they that. they can. Mm. But right. then we hear people come back like Brittany Renner, who comes back years later and says, my soul is destroyed from doing this. Exactly. Oh okay. yes, but, I think so, I know who you're talking about. So Go ahead, Elijah Day. My, I, I've, I'm like conflicted on some of this because I think consent is what is at the base of it and power because Again, just because someone may identify as a pedophile and they don't act on those things, these spaces that internet creates mm -hmm. allows them to act on it passively and that's still playing into that pedophilia. I think that's yeah. why when even if you may not 
be with the child, but watching that video with the child legally, you have you've been a part of that chain, so you are legally held accountable for being a part of like child pornography and whatnot. So sometimes the internet creates spaces where you know, oh, I wasn't with that young child, but you watched that eight minute video, right? And because you watched that eight minute video, you are now part of this ring right. that took a child who doesn't have autonomy and against their will, because again, a child doesn't do that, right. but an adult recorded them or forced that child to do those acts and you were part of that. So I think consent comes down into it too, but also the internet does, especially from a queer perspective, like the internet introduces you to sexuality and sex that you either were unaware of or did not know. Like as a young person who's intimate, um, <laughs> you, you can also learn that young people, think sex has to end with the money shot. Yeah. Sex has to be with the girl having her mascara come down or sex has to be a man being so aggressive where that oftentimes with straight women, women's pleasure isn't at the base of it. Not at all. Women are thought of as just flesh, human flesh jacks and toys mm -hmm. for a man to get his nut and go on. But also from a queer perspective, the, the person who's the um, bottom at that time, their pleasure isn't the point of the interaction either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's either uh, giving the pleasure to a man, um, being overly aggressive or being overly dominated to the point where now the youth do not know what it means to be intimate or doesn't know what it means to actually have proper sex where it's pleasure in both parts. So I would say that we're having yeah. multiple conversations mm -hmm. at okay. one time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. right? So like, I think of porn the same way I think of Fast and the Furious. All that shit is fake. You don't slingshot your car. But people don't see it like that. Yes, right. people no, don't. don't see no, it that don't. way. But this is a, that's a failing that's of the problem. sex education system, period. Yeah. Right? Because if if the only place to get your information is from porn, yes. if that's the only place that we have allowed you to get their information, we have, as adults, we have failed. Yeah. 100%. And to your other point about not acting on it, watching a child who has been recorded, you are acting on it. So uh, yeah. that's not what I mean. When I say not okay. acting on it, I mean okay. not acting on it. Okay. That okay. for me, that does not count. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't count because you're right. That child did not consent to that. Isn't that the reason why Tiffany Haddish and somebody yeah. else came up right. under fire because right. of what they did in that video? Yes. Thinking yes. that they were making yes. a joke, yeah. right? So I, I don't want us to, um, I feel like it's all coming together in a way where we're not properly separating and I want to make sure that we are separating. Mm -hmm. Fast and the Furious is definitely fictional. You don't slingshot your car. Porn <laughs> is just like Fast and the Furious. That is not how sex works. Mm -hmm. And the reason that it doesn't work like that is, well, number one, we're human beings. Mm -hmm. And number two is because um, in watching those type of things and when we allow that to be the only space where kids can learn, where people can learn, then of course, yeah, now we're thinking, oh, well, sex is not good sex without the money shot. It's not, it's not good sex without the aggression. It's not good sex without these elements. But that's because adults have failed to have conversations because we are so fucking uncomfortable with children having sexuality. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that they are sexual from birth till death, that needs to be a part of the conversation. Yeah. We are all sexual beings from yeah. birth until death. And as long as we continue to deny the sexuality of children, mm -hmm. it means that in our adult bodies, because there's, the way they view their sexuality and the way we view sexuality is not the same. Different. But as long as we continue to put our adult-minded yes. sexuality uh -huh. onto children, we will never allow them to explore those, their own in a way that is healthy for them. Yeah. How many people have been told, don't touch your genitals, mm -hmm. right? Don't do that, that's nasty. Pop on the hand, pop on the butt. And now you've already learned that something about your sexuality, something about bad. touching your body is shameful. Right. Yeah. And then what happens to those kids that you didn't talk to, that you call it their pocketbook? 
mm-hmm. that you called it they purse. What happens now? What happens now is that you've actually opened the door for a predator mm-hmm. to be like, let me see your pocketbook. Yeah. And when your kid comes and say somebody saw my pocketbook, you have no idea what the fuck they mean. Yeah. Because we have decided that we are not going to have the fucking conversation. Mm-hmm. So are we oversexed? To get back to your original question, again, I'm saying probably not, mm-hmm. but I will say that we are a nation of people who are fucking the way that we are and not having nary a goddamn conversation about it. And before Kuma, before you jump in, I would say everybody is consuming pornography, which means that everybody is being educated in some sort or entertained mm-hmm. in some sort by pornography. And I think like that is one of the things that's the big elephant in the room, mm-hmm. is that people shame sex workers, people oh, say really, gosh. really bad things about sex, they don't want to teach their children about sex, but everybody's getting funneled exactly. into the same areas of the internet in order to get that type of education. And I do think that the responsibility does fall on people, but in certain ways, I do think that children and adults are alike when it comes to sex in that it is something where the education comes from outside of your parents. So when I was young as a queer person, right? Like I can't go to my parents and talk to them about sex. It's not happening in any way, shape or form. I hope that it's different now. I'm a big grown person, but in my experience in talking to younger people, it's not. No. So so in my, in my where are they going? Twitter after dark. And if you go on Twitter after dark, I don't even watch certain videos because I don't see right. no mustache. I'm like, where your mustache at? How old are you? I don't know. Yeah. And it makes, uh, seriously, it makes right. me feel uncomfortable. So it's yeah. not only about the education, it's all it's about who's also doing the entertaining. It gets very, very weird. It gets very, very murky. And I think that young people are getting the messaging that it's transactional because it's so concentrated in the music mm-hmm. that I think that people are running and flocking to a space that has no parameters for mm-hmm. it, let alone anybody there to protect them. Now check this out. OnlyFans has over 190 million registered users. The platform also has over 2.1 million content creators, and it is seen as one of the fastest growing social media platforms today. And here are some facts that may explain why. OnlyFans has paid more than $2 billion to creators. The top OnlyFans creators earn about $100,000 per month on average. Every day, 500,000 new users join OnlyFans. The average creator of OnlyFans has 21 subscribers and earns approximately $151 per month. Now we all know how addictive social media can be. That with the option for real earning potential begs the question of whether or not the ease of it all makes it just as risky as it is alluring, especially for young people. Now take that in as we return to Kumo, who gets into the generational divide around sex. I think that with us as, because most folks in this room right now, we're considered millennials. As we're having this conversation, I kind of, it sucks that we don't have a Gen Z here. Or we don't have a, oh, I'm sorry. I'm about to say, come on now, don't play us. We got some. Charles is like, I ain't as old as y'all motherfuckers. But um, I would really be interested in hearing the perspectives of high schoolers and seeing what they think about sex in this current day and age because times have changed. Mm -hmm. And we, like, I don't know what it's like to want to have sex as a teenager in a pandemic or during a 
the the recession or whatever we're going through currently right now. So I think that would be very important to listen, like Dr. Donna said, like there's we're not having conversations with the youth. There's this ageism thing mm. where because I'm an adult, you're just going to have to listen to what I say. Mm. And we're not really listening as adults. So and Kumo, I, do you think that do you think that teenagers should be having sex? Um I think because I was having sex at 14 um, and my aunt gave me condoms and was like, hey, go like you're going to have sex. I know you're going to have sex. And I come from an African household. So that was like a bad thing to do. Mm. Like if you have sex outside of marriage, you're a whore. You're not considered pure. So when my aunt introduced me to condoms, I was like, this is kind of weird. Like, why is she giving me condoms? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Do you think she knew you were having sex? She knew. Oh, okay. Did you tell her? I didn't tell her though. But she knew. But she knew. So I think, you know, there has to be, it's, it's a very tricky place because Again, like there's predators out there. I was f- fucking like, you know, older men. And like it's how like, old? Cool. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I didn't ask for their name and social security number. Business. I asked how old. <laughs> Give me social security number. Like, like you, because you were 14, like how old? Okay, so 14, probably like, okay, I would say like 16, 18. And then when I turned 16, I dated somebody, not dated. I was having sex with somebody who was 21 years old. Okay. So um. I know for girls who grew up, like black girls, we're considered quote unquote fast mm-hmm. because we do yeah. these things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we know about sex. We know about masturbation. We know about experimenting with other girls. And I know I did that as a young girl. Like I was like, oh, I like coochie. Ooh, like, you know, these were certain things that I wish that were talked to me about. Yes. Like, okay, why why is this child hypersexual? Because I was such a hypersexual kid. I would hump fucking pillows and the couch. <laughs> me too. I don't know that I would label that as right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not hyper. Yeah, that's true. So horny. You were mean you were a teenager. See, I even like that moment of reconciling that. Like it's not a bad thing. A lot of us felt that way. But but I was taught that was bad. I was taught that that was evil. I used to literally pray like, God, please take this sexual demon away from me, you know? And so if it's like you're growing up in a church or you're growing up in a religious household and where they're teaching you that as a youth, like sex is bad, Mm -hmm. then you start to look at it like, oh crap, like if I have sexual desires, like something's wrong with me, right? So I do think that we should have conversations with the youth because they know what the fuck is going on. Exactly. And they delay. Exactly. The onset of sex delays when you actually have a conversation. Yeah. Now, That's granted, the thinking. average age of having sex is 17. Like mm. That's just period okay. across the okay. board. But in addition to that, when you're having the conversation, it takes some of the salaciousness out of it. Yeah. It, it takes does. all the mystery out of it. I look like, baby, suck all the mystery out. Let them know, like, this is why people have sex. Like, you know, yeah. like when somebody wants to make a baby, I'm looking like... Please. Exactly. That's not why most of us are having sex. It's not why most of us are here. It feels good. (laughs) Right? Right? Like, we're having sex because it feels good. And if we are too scared to talk about the pleasure aspect, then that means that we are going to continue to deny youth the ability to even explore themselves sexually. Babies have been known to masturbate in utero. We are not ready for that Mm. fucking conversation. Well, before you go, Issam, I want to bring in Charles because you're Gen Z. Mm. And so how does this conversation fit into your generation's experience of that? Yeah, I think um, there is a bit of a divide when Donovan, where you were talking about your experience with Twitter After Dark and how it's like, oh, I 
don't know if I want to touch this or whatever. <laughs> no, I think Twitter After Dark is a is an innovative creation for young folks. I think that it has demystified the idea of what sex is. A lot of stuff that's on Twitter or Twitter After Dark, however you want to call it, are amateur folks that do their own work, that are having these relations with people that they know, their homeboys, their homegirls, or whatever, somebody that they're frequently intimate with, and you get to see real sexual acts rather than something in a production or somebody that's directing it. Honestly, though, like even the conversations that I have with my younger, younger loved ones, like they're enjoying their sexual experiences a lot more than I did when I was younger, and they know more about their bodies. They're more in tune with their bodies. They're more willing to let toxic partners go than I've seen before in my, when I was younger. So I think that, yes, there, there was a time when we were younger and when you were younger, you're saying that you felt shame. And I'm really sorry that you did feel that because I had some inkling of that, but I did have parents that talked to me like, hey, sex is, you mm. will feel good mm. when you have wow. sex. This is what happens when you're having sex. Like you're gonna feel these little urges and, wow. and talk to me about porn and told me that porn, this isn't really what it is. Sex is like, you can be intimate with somebody, you can like really go in deep with someone, not just physically, but mentally, spiritually, So all that of was these your things. sex talk? That was my sex wow. talk. Wow. Did, yeah. anyone, have amazing did anyone have that same no. experience? Well, I wanna, no. And I wanna bring Because I did not. I was gonna no. get pregnant. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, I'm glad that Charles had that experience, because that's yeah. not everyone's yeah. experience yeah. as not a child. All. I'm probably, the, I don't know if I'm the oldest one in here, but I'm old enough to have a child who is 19 and all of my female friends all have kids and they are horrified about having conversations about mm. sex. They're like wondering, when's the right age? I'm like, just talk about it. Yeah. Because yeah. things are happening to children right. at eight that mm -hmm. they should know about. Yeah. Right. So when you talk about the kids nowadays, they're being raised by those people who are still afraid, who haven't even yeah. found their own sexual liberation. Exactly. And so they aren't comfortable having those conversations. Yeah. So I'm wondering what the generation behind that would look like being raised in a oversexed <laughs> where everything is so free. Because even though it's free, the scales don't seem balanced. Right. They right. seem to What do you mean by scales don't seem balanced? There is a part of me because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a different generation. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't raised with sex all over TV, right? I wasn't raised with the internet. You know, I had to dial up. Yeah. So, you know, you had to go buy porn at a store. Right. Yes. It wasn't at my and fingertips. And it, it didn't even come in DVD. Yeah, it it had to bed. come in a tape. Like, yeah. Oh my God. So yeah. like, it's, it's a different experience yeah, for me to see, you know, everything out there. Like, like even Twitter After Dark, like I know Twitter After Dark, you know, I normally ask the guy, what's your Twitter? Because <laughs> I want to see oh, if you're a part okay. of Twitter That's After fair. Dark because I'm doing Twitter during the day yeah, yeah, yeah. and only at night. No, you, myself, you know, that auto stuff, right? So it's very different. So I'm really curious as to, to what that's going to look like yeah. 10 years from now for right. the kid who's then. Because nowadays, kids are still come. I work in public health, so I do HIV testing. Okay. Mm. I still have 18-year-olds coming in testing positive mm. because they have no one to talk to about their sexuality. Wow. Male, female, queer, mm. non, everybody's still coming in testing positive because there is no one to talk to. The resources that they have don't really exist. Mm. And they're just finding spaces to be free, but no direction exactly. in that. And so that's when it becomes, to me, I got you. The, the scales tip, you know? Yeah, and I think that's a really, really great point, Isam, because 
it's not only about, and this is where we, we can go with the conversation, is that it's not only about sex, right? right. Like it's just a portion of it. Mm-hmm. It's a portion of it. And that's why I did mention transactional at the beginning of the conversation because a lot of times the conversation starts and ends at sex, mm-hmm. like physically, literally, and every other way before you may even get ghosted, okay? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and HIV is kind of like a consequence for certain types of like you know if you're not using protection for example or ignorance whatever the case is as someone who is hiv positive i'll also say that like for me even though i was super 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 careful the reason why i wound up in that situation was because i trusted someone that i should not have Mm -hmm. and it wasn't because i did not know how to have sex it was because i did not know about the other stuff around sex Mm -hmm. which is how and who should you be having sex with what is the energy that you're exchanging with each other when you Mm -hmm. are in fact having sex Mm -hmm. does it matter what happens after you get that diagnosis what happens Mm -hmm. after you get that baby what happens after real life consequences happens as a result of sex so it doesn't begin and end there Okay, so we got into the impact of the digital era on sex, especially for younger folks. Next week, we get into what happens after sex. Are we paying enough attention to the consequences of sex? Are we too far deep into the pitfalls of hookup culture? I don't know. But join us next week for part two. And thank you so much for being here with us. Don't forget to follow us on social media at The Stranger Fruit and let us know what you thought of today's conversation. We love hearing from you. If you enjoyed today's conversation, show us some love by leaving a five-star review and get us in good favor with the algorithm gods. Until next time, be kind, be curious, and be fruitful.